0: From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is...
1: The Ask Christopher West Podcast.
0: Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ask Christopher West Show, hosted by my lovely wife... Wendy West. Wendy's in the house. <laughs> Hey, today we have a new producer for our podcast. On a sad note, we're saying goodbye to our son, Thomas, who has been the producer of the Ask Christopher West podcast for the last three years or so. He is headed on to other things in his life, prayers for him, and deep gratitude, Thomas. Thank you for all you have done over these three years to bless the podcast listeners all around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Not an easy thing for a son to to listen to his parents talk about sex all the time. That's weird. (laughs) Bless you, bud. (laughs) Thank you for doing that, Thomas. No, I I really have felt bad for Thomas, our son, having to listen to our, our voices in headphones editing. He probably edited, I don't know, 175 episodes or something. Uh, God bless him. And on that note, we want to welcome Juan Arraguin. I hope I said your last name correctly, Juan. I don't know how to roll my R's very well, although that came off pretty well. I thought it sounded good. Mm Arraguin. Juan is joining us. He is a native of Mexico. He's been working at EWTN for the last few years, and he has just joined the staff of the TOB Institute to produce our podcasts, our YouTube channels, and a host of other things he's going to be doing for us. So, welcome to the yes, team, Juan. Welcome. We're really happy to have you.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have any updates on the TOB Institute for us?
0: Sure. Go for it. We have a whole slew of online and in person courses coming up. We have the Marion Mystery course. I believe there's still a few spots. That's a live course here at Black Rock Retreat in Pennsylvania. Uh, third week of June, June 18th to the 23rd. There might be just one or two spots left on that. If you're interested, snatch it up. Uh, then we have TOB 1 in July. There are a few spots left for that. If you're interested, check that out in the show notes. Then we have TOB and Spiritual Direction first week of August. It starts like the, you know, last couple days of July into the first week of August. That's being taught by Father... Father Boniface. Father Boniface Hicks, of course. (laughs) I I had a brain fart there for a minute. Dear friend of the Institute, beautiful soul. If you haven't if you don't know Father Boniface Hicks, just Google him and read everything he's written. He's he's such an insightful man, a holy priest. I've known him for, I don't know, 15 plus years. Such a good man. Anyway, uh, we also have, of course, the pilgrimage that you and I, Wendy, are leading in... When is that? It starts in October. Starts in October. We are headed to France. We're doing a river cruise following in the footsteps of Therese. There's also a little extension. We're starting off in Lourdes. Um, So if you want to attend that, I think we're about three-fourths of the way full on that. We're going to have the whole boat to ourselves. So that's filling up. If you're interested in that, check it all out in the show notes.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, summertime is busy time, lots of courses offered, and it's wonderful. So many people are, you know, their schedules are more free in the summer and yeah. able to
0: join us. Please pray for our staff on that note. Yeah. This is the, the busy, busy, busy time, getting ready for the courses and then hosting the courses. We were on a staff call uh, last week, and, and those who are in charge of running these courses said, uh, yeah, it's about to be a blip until it's September because the summer just goes by like that so oh. quickly cuz they're also busy running these courses. Oh, bless them. Yeah.
1: Sometimes students will come for one and and stay for the next, That's you right. know, cuz they're they're not that far apart and it it's kind of a beautiful thing to yeah, see them. people
0: come from, especially those coming from Europe or South America, they, they'll come to the June course, then they'll do a little touring in the States, and then they'll come to the July course, do a little more touring, and then they'll come to the August course. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It is. We love our students. We sure do. Thank you, everybody, if, for believing in this mission.
1: If you're in person, please introduce yourself to me. If you see me at a meal, just let me know that you're listening to our podcast, because I just love to know. To whom we're speaking.
0: Yeah, to those who may not know, the retreat center where we offer these courses is just down the street from our house, so Mm -hmm. that's why Wendy gets to be there.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, are you ready for a question from a patron?
0: Let's do it. This is from Amy. Hello, Amy. Thank you so much for your support of our work. So grateful to you.
1: Hi, Christopher and Wendy. I've been a devoted listener of your podcast for several years now, and it was a treasured part of my conversion to the Catholic faith. Wow. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. I can often feel His presence in your answers. Your podcast is my favorite resource to give to those who ask me about Catholic teachings. My question is mostly for Wendy, although I'm sure Christopher will have some great insight as well. I'm a homeschooling mother of five. I recently became aware of the vice of acedia. And I think I'm experiencing temptation toward it. As I understand it, acedia works on the soul to draw one's attention away from one's vocation. One ends up spinning one's wheels needlessly or pouring energy in the wrong direction, perhaps doing good things, but doing them in order to avoid the mundane aspects of the best thing, one's vocation. I've been homeschooling my five children for 10 years now and recently have felt so tired, more than the usual tired. It feels like a heaviness in my body combined with overstimulation of all my senses. Kids are loud. I constantly feel like I'm doing too much and also not enough. Wendy, can you identify? Was there a specific point of discouragement, overwhelm, or temptation to distraction in your parenting journey that you can share? What did you do to persevere? I want to pay attention to my body's needs, but I'm confronted with new limitations in my body as I'm getting older, which feels defeating. What does TOB have to say to tired, aging mothers?
0: Wow, Amy. God bless you, dear sister. Um, Wendy has been super mom like in 28 years of marriage. She's never had any issues with any of this. Oh, so. my goodness. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Not true at all. I'm sure. <laughs> Not true. Um, let me make that very clear. I know Wendy's going to have lots to say. I was just being a goofball. Uh, the The word acedia, It's interesting you use that word acedia. It's not one that Catholics often even know about. It comes from a Greek word that means lack of care, or uh, sometimes it's it's used to, you know, as an as a synonym for a sloth. My, my favorite definition of sloth that I've ever heard, I believe this comes from Thomas Aquinas, is sadness that the good is difficult. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss this to Wendy. I, I'll just share this just from hearing your questions. I don't necessarily hear a sadness that the good is difficult. I hear rather you are confronting your own limitations and your own weakness because you want to do the good, but you're running into real limitations of your humanity. And let's face it, uh, mothering and fathering uh, is taxing. It's really, really taxing. And I, w- I would just offer a caution that you not be beating yourself up for normal human struggles or, or assigning a sin where there may not be a sin that's my my general assessment based on on what I'm hearing do you think i'm I'm hearing her correctly love
1: yeah i i do I think that's a good point. She did say more of a a temptation to rather than you know concluding that she's right, guilty, right. so it may be just a looking at is that a a frame to help her recognize something some aspect of her current struggle Maybe it's not the whole whole aspect you know the whole story but
0: yeah I I don't hear a lack of care
1: mm-hmm. in
0: her mothering uh, from what she's saying I don't no. I don't in that sense I don't hear a yeah. sadia I I hear this is hard and she's reckoning with that but I'm I'm tossing this one over to you oh, love you go for it
1: Amy thank you so much for your question I also am a mother of five we have that in common and I also absolutely struggle with tiredness and sometimes I would definitely say more than the usual tired but my usual tired is also a problem for me <laughs> honestly so I we have homeschooled all five but we did not homeschool all of them con- all, the time. all the time so I just want to share that with you and with all our listeners cuz you know it's it's helpful to just know somebody who takes the faith seriously and doesn't you know, have to follow one plan of this is how to educate children. And so I can just speak to that reality of not always homeschooling um, in that definitely a time for me of feeling spent beyond the ability to continue in homeschooling is the reason that we didn't homeschool everyone all the way through just looking honestly at my own um, situation, there was a time when our oldest were still pretty young in school where we actually had some uh, mother's helper live with us, and thank you, Lord, for that gift and yeah. for the for their gift, thank you, um, to help so with the household to enable homeschooling to happen, or sometimes they did some of the schooling. So, that was a, a way that we have dealt With some of that, just feeling overwhelmed. And then at a later time in our children's lives, um, when the oldest ones were like middle school, high school, and we still had young ones, that was when we sent kids to school for a time for a few years. Not everybody, but some of them as we were reading what would work well for each child and what was available to us. So, I just want everyone to know that. That's not like, oh, the Wests, they've always homeschooled and we should be able to do that too. Yeah, only something.
0: one of our five was always homeschooled. That's right, yeah. So, four out of five at some time or other spent some time in public school.
1: Mm-hmm. So, just to know that. And then um, I do think what you're describing, certainly you're observing things going on physically that are impacting your ability to just respond to the needs of your children, to direct their education, to be joyful and loving in that. And I think your body's asking you to pay attention. I remember when I was in a particularly uh, difficult place, And there were lots of factors that are, you know, complicated to explain, and I think all of us have seasons like that in our lives where the demands have kind of built up upon us in different areas of relationships and situations in our lives that can just kind of make everything difficult. I remember going to a doctor, I went to several, to try to address my physical symptoms, and one of them said to me, Wendy, it seems like you are a low-energy person in a high-energy life. Mm. <laughs> and it was just a simple acknowledgement, like, this is not last, you're not able to last in the face of what you're trying to do here. And I don't know if that's true. I mean, I kind of felt felt true at the time, but it was just a good, good to have someone listen and reflect that back. Um, So, how am I now? So, now I'm homeschooling just our youngest two because they are the only two in school. Our middle child is in college. And all of us are happy to be homeschooling. I'm happy to be homeschooling. They're happy to be homeschooling. So I just want you to know that having that low time where it was like, I can't even go on. I don't want to look at a homeschool catalog because it all looks awful to me. Like, that's gone. You know, I, I'm, I'm back and I'm, I'm happy to be doing this. And in the meantime, were there things that had to adjust for a time? There were. So I encourage you to recognize that um, it's okay to recognize that you have needs that need to be addressed and your children's needs in their education sometimes in homeschooling we need to look back at what have we made like an ideal that we felt we had to live up to there are lots of different philosophies of education or what you know is essential that sometimes times like this cause us to reflect maybe that's not as essential as I thought. Maybe some of my children can take time off from a certain subject in order to make this a manageable enterprise that we're trying to do. All kinds of things like that can be looked at. And certainly communicating a lot with your husband about how you're feeling, having him take on some tasks that he can because it You know, he may be assuming you want all the jobs that you're doing and maybe there's some need to let go of some of it and allow him to help you or allow the two of you to find new ways to go forward with the beautiful project, your vocation of loving one another and loving your children. So, I encourage you to really know that it's okay that you are struggling. The Lord loves you. Your husband loves you. And to open yourself to new ways to go forward and, and trusting that there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger story. And if you are, are praying through kind of the little decisions, the Lord is taking care of that bigger thing that, um, that we can't always see what He's doing. To, he asks us to trust Him with the next step and the next step.
0: I want to address Amy's specific question about what does theology of the body have to say about Mm -hmm. this. And, you know, let's keep in mind that the theology of the body is a a specific catechesis of John Paul II's uh, on what it means to be human, what it means to be male and female. Why did God make us bodily creatures? What does that say? So... We really can apply it to all kinds of areas. Even if John Paul II doesn't speak directly about something, he's given us principles that we can apply. And the principle that comes to my mind here is the thesis statement of the theology of the body itself, that the body was created by God to reveal invisible mysteries, spiritual and divine mysteries. And everything Jesus did bodily is a sacrament of his divinity – and as I pray for you, Amy, as I'm just lifting you up in my heart, I'm seeing Jesus on his way to Calvary, and I'm seeing him buckle under the weight of the cross. Mm-hmm. He fell, uh, you know, that we 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 enter into this as we pray the stations of the cross. And I would invite you, Amy, to to pray the stations of the cross, but you be Jesus, you are carrying your cross. When was it that you... Felt like you were condemned? When was it that you felt like you took up your cross? When was it that you felt like you fell the first time? Who has come alongside you? Who's been your Simon to help you carry the cross? When have you encountered the Blessed Mother on that journey? When did you fall a second time? When did you fall a third time? When did you feel stripped and naked? When did you feel like you just couldn't go on? When did you feel like your hands were outstretched and you were being nailed to the cross? I was on a retreat many many years ago. Well, not many many like I'm some ancient fossil or something, but uh what was it? 15 16 years ago. No, 18 years ago. I guess it was kind of many years. 18 years ago I was on this retreat. It really doesn't matter when I was on the retreat. That's but okay. anyway, uh it's 2005. I'm on this retreat and the priest invited me to to be Jesus through the stations of the cross. I had never done that before, and all kinds of things got opened up for me in my life. And I I think this is – you are on the road with Jesus, you are following Jesus, Jesus is with you, and you're struggling. You have taken up your cross, and it's heavy. Uh, There are entire blocks of our life as parents that we are going through such difficult things with homeschooling and managing a busy house and my busy work. Like I've blocked them out. Like it's post-traumatic stress syndrome or whatever. I can't even remember. Wendy will say, "You remember such and such?" Nope. I think I've just blocked that out. It was too traumatic. It's hard. I just want to. Sh- I want you to know, Amy. Wendy and I relate directly and immediately with mm-hmm. the struggle. Jesus is with you in that struggle, and and if you say, "I can't even think of who my Simon is." Well, pray for a Simon. And I think we should end right now in our answer to you by asking everybody, pray for several Simons, all the Simons that Amy needs Mm. to help her carry her cross. Lord, we lift up our dear sister to you Mm -hmm. who's going through just the, the normal struggle of being a mom. It's really hard. And she's walking the way of the cross with you, Lord. And we ask that you would send the Simon that she needs to help her at this stage of her journey. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Our next question is from an anonymous listener. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. In my past, I struggled with pornography, and I've been recovering from its grasp for several years now. I'm engaged to an amazing and supportive woman who has been a rock through this healing. We've discussed how on our wedding night and into marriage, since I have seen things about sexual acts, it will not be a genuine learning process for us. I will potentially hold quick answers to her questions while we're intimate. I could end up just telling her what to do. Is there any kind of spiritual amnesia that can wipe these images and knowledge from my mind, allowing me to give myself fully and learn together with my
0: future wife? God bless you, dear brother. Such an honest question. I, I really feel honored that you opened this up to us. And and boy, I can relate. I had very similar concerns and fears about our wedding night and getting married. I came in having, having been exposed to a lot of pornography and uh, having had sexual experiences that I knew Wendy had not had. And I remember... Wrestling with this in our engagement it was just coming up in my own mind and heart, these very same kind of questions and concerns and fears. And I remember realizing wait a minute, I have never either experienced nor seen depicted the marital act. What I had experienced and what I had seen depicted in pornography. Was not marital, and to compare those things to what happens in marriage is, is like comparing uh, two totally different realities. I mean, you could say, OK, mechanically, maybe it's the same thing. But no no whoa whoa whoa, but it's not just something mechanical. That's the whole point. What, what the marital act is is so other than what is depicted in pornography. It is completely other, because what is depicted in pornography is two people in a situation where they're acting something out in order to be sold for the titillation of other people. That's what is going on in pornography. What is going on in an authentic, genuine, true, sincere marital act is the total self-donation of a husband and a wife to each other that renews and seals their wedding vows. That's what's happening on the wedding night. The act of consummation of the marriage is the sealing of the marriage bond. It is another species of act altogether. It is the act of total self-donation. You have never seen that depicted, ever. Uh, and that I remember feeling so liberated by that that, oh my gosh, it is an injustice to compare what's going to happen in our marriage with what I've seen depicted in pornography or what I've experienced in previous relationships. I I, I know the desire that you're expressing for, isn't there just some spiritual amnesia? Just wipe that out of my mind and heart. Uh, unfortunately, there is there is not. But I found great liberation in this realization that the marital act is a different kind of act altogether. And you you can only learn the marital act with your spouse. (laughs) So you will be learning together afresh and anew what the marital act is. So my prayer for you, my invitation to you, would be that you would understand that distinction, that you are not taking those images that you've seen in pornography and then acting them out, uh, as if you have all the knowledge because you've seen this and your, your future spouse has is ignorant. Guess what? You are both ignorant of what the marital act is. And thanks be to God, because the marital act is an act of total self-donation and only two people who make that total self-donation can learn together what that entails. And so, all of married life, I mean, we've, we've, we're going on 28 years of marriage, and we're still learning what it means to, to be that total, sincere, genuine gift to each other. There's an ever-deepening reality in the marital embrace because you're entering into infinite mysteries – Right? The one flesh union is a great mystery that refers to Christ and the church. These are infinite mysteries. These are divine mysteries. There's no end to them. To go in with the sense like, wow, we're we're entering into this together. We're entering this grand adventure together with a clean slate. We don't know what lies ahead, but the Lord is with us and he's going to help us enter into the mystery, the great mystery of our sacrament together.
1: Mm there's such a genuine and good desire that this listener is expressing um just to to be made new yes, in the lord yes. and there is there are aspects of being made new that are available to us by grace and and just having that desire is already a sign of that grace at work and what what you're sharing, that was a, such a powerful insight. I remember that from our engagement. Yeah, that, This is not that.
0: <laughs> right. This is not that. That's mm-hmm. so important. This mm-hmm. is not that.
1: And I actually also can relate to that and want to share this with any um, couple, you know, preparing for marriage or newly married. Um, that Something that struck me as we entered into our marriage was that, because even if I've not been watching pornography or looking at pornography, I've seen sort of sex scenes in movies or or the the beginning, even in just you know
0: in yeah, well, you can't live in this culture and not have your mind warped by the culture's understanding of sex.
1: And seeing those things, I realized as we were um, in our early marriage, it implies a certain viewer present. Right, because you're seeing these things through the camera lens. Right, right. And there is something about like removing the viewer from the room.
0: Yes, thanks be to God.
1: <laughs> that we really have to uh, remember that that's we're truly alone with one another.
0: Yes, what a sacred, sacred zone. Yeah,
1: there's no camera in yes, this room. Thanks be to God. There's no viewer. <laughs>
0: yes, yes.
1: It's, it's not to be viewed. That's right. It's to be a truly personal exchange between just the spouses, no one else. And and that, you know, was a process for me to notice when, like, am I thinking about us as if there's someone uh, watching, evaluating right. in any way? Like, that is not part of this awesome exchange. And so... Um, yeah, I encourage all the couples to just realize that that we do have ideas of, of how things should appear or or sound or or whatever expectations that we need to ask the Lord to free us from that. And I also just encourage you, if there are saints that you want to ask for the intercession of, I think of Adam and Eve as saints who could intercede for our unions. Anna and Joachim, the parents of Amen. the Blessed Mother, like – Holy spouses that can pray for us to Amen. enter into that um, that gift more fully.
0: I want to add to something I said earlier about there's no spiritual amnesia. Uh, that does not mean that these images and memories cannot be transformed and redeemed. Absolutely, they can be. St. Paul says, Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewal of your minds. I think it's chapter 12 doesn't matter. Be transformed by the renewal of your minds, right? That renewal of the mind is real, and that transformation is real. If you've ever been to a presentation of mine or seen a a video or something, chances are you've seen me do my crumpled paper thing where I, I hold up a piece of paper and I say, imagine this is the most beautiful painting you've ever seen. This is man and woman naked without shame, just as God made us to be. And then I say, here's what happened to the painting with original sin, and I crumpled the paper. And most, most people think, you know, we look at that crumpled paper, we think, oh, that's trash, throw it away. That's not Christianity. Christianity, the, Christianity invites us to the redemption of our bodies, and that means the uncrumpling of that painting. So all that you have seen, good brother, in pornography is a crumpled painting. It is a crumpled up version of the original beautiful plan of God. Do not apply that to what's going to happen in your marriage. If you do, it's a terrible injustice to what's going to happen in your marriage. What you're invited to through your marriage is the uncrumpling of that painting. That's the grace of the sacrament. That's what it affords. And that's the grand adventure you're going on. Be transformed by the renewal of your Minds, and that means letting the Holy Spirit come into those diseased images, those those crumpled up ideas, and and letting the Holy Spirit uncrumple those images and ideas, so that you can see the true, the good, and the beautiful plan of God for man and woman as it was created to be. Uh, I'll say it again. I'll shout it from the rooftops. This is this is so essential. Christianity proclaims not salvation from the body, but salvation of the body. Not redemption from sexuality, but the redemption of sexuality. That's the grand adventure of the sacrament of marriage. Be not afraid.
1: Our next question is from Eleanor.
0: Hello, Eleanor.
1: Hi, Wendy and Christopher. Thank you so much for your work. Finding out about Theology of the Body through you over the course of my conversion has transformed my life and faith in ways I never thought possible.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord. Yes.
1: Similar to what Christopher has talked about on Pints with Aquinas before, I used to struggle a lot with self-hatred and disgust that would express itself as anger toward things others did. This has improved a lot, and I've been starting to learn how to love which has enriched my life beyond measure. Mm. However, I still get angry, especially with men that pursue me. Mm. I love the idea of becoming a hermit, and I usually want to run away when someone wants to know me. I can feel like I don't want to be known, but obviously I do. You know the issue. As soon as a man gets too close, I'll cool things down very suddenly— then tell myself he was never interested in the first place. This is making discerning my vocation difficult, because I'm not sure exactly which of my desires I should trust. I'm not sure what to do to work on these issues.
0: Bless you, Eleanor. Bless you, Eleanor. Bless you, Eleanor. Thank you, Eleanor, for making yourself so vulnerable. Bless you, dear sister. Mm. It's just the human struggle, and and every human being can understand it. Uh, what comes to my mind as i 'm hearing your question is that scene in in um the sound of music mm. when Maria has come back to the convent because she 's afraid of the feeling she has for the captain, and she says, "I want to be a nun now i 'm ready to give my final vows now, and the Mother Superior, so wise, so right on says you these walls were not for you to hide from your problems." Uh, or something to that effect. And I hear when you say, I, I want to be a hermit, that's the scene that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Now, there may be a genuine desire under there to, for religious life, but to, to I, what I'm hearing, what I'm sensing is, in that instance, your wanting to be a hermit comes from a place of a fear of intimacy. And believe me, I understand the fear of intimacy, because intimacy is – scary intimacy demands a tremendous vulnerability uh, a tremendous um trust and we're all wounded here all of us wounded in our capacity for intimacy wounded in our we just as you said eleanor there's a desire you want to be known you want to be seen but no i, I but i don't i do i don't i do i don't it's that push pull Here's my invitation to you, Eleanor. Prayer. And I don't mean just saying prayers. I mean entering more deeply into prayer as a journey into intimacy with the Lord. The word intimacy comes from the Latin intimus, which means the inmost, the, the, the most inner. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the opening up, the exposing of our inmost. And it also may be related to uh, the idea of having no fear. Um, intimus, intimus, intimus. Yeah, the, I, I don't, I'm not a Latin scholar, but I, I remember looking that up once, and it had those two senses. The, the inmost reality of myself getting opened up and and be not afraid, basically. Wow, we need to hold those together, because opening up my inmost immediately stirs fears. I was afraid... Because I was naked, so I hid myself. This is the paradigm of the fallen human being. This is the world we live in, a world of fear. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. That Mm. is the opposite, the direct opposite of intimacy, of exposing our inmost. The journey of the Christian life, if the first result of sin is precisely that fear I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Then the journey of the Christian life is the, is the reverse of that. This is what Christ came to undo. And he came to undo it by casting out our fear with his perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And that transforms, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself, into, I was at peace because I knew he loved me. So I exposed myself. This is the journey of prayer. The Catechism describes prayer as where we let our masks fall. Or we could also say we let our fig leaves fall. We let all the ways that we hide, we let them fall. And we expose ourselves to the Lord. We present, this is the Catechism, we present ourselves to the Lord as we are. As we really are, we can be naked without shame before the Lord. Not because we have nothing to be ashamed of. We all have plenty to be ashamed of. But we can be naked without shame before the Lord because His love swallows up that shame. That's an expression of JP2. Genuine love swallows up shame. And I'm no longer ashamed to be naked before the Lord because I know he loves me right there, warts and all, fears and all, issues and all, sins and all. He sees it all and he loves me there. That's what allows me to expose myself to the Lord. And and this word expose, what do we do when we go to adoration? We are experiencing, the Eucharist is is we call it exposition, right? Exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. The Lord goes first. And, and here, I, I once had this redemption of, we were just talking about how, you know, memories can be redeemed in our answer to the last question. Well, I had this memory of being a little kid, and some girl down the street wanted me to pull my pants down for her, and and I said, I'm not pulling my pants down for you. You pull down your pants for me first. And, you know, that you go first thing. You, I'm, I'm If you do it, I'll do it. I'm too afraid to do it. You do it. Well, it's interesting how the Lord can redeem all kinds of th- – everything in our lives is meant to be redeemed. And I had this memory. I was in a place of prayer. I had this memory – And I was like, Lord, please, please bring light into this memory. Please heal this memory. It's painful, shameful. Well, the way he redeemed that was saying, Christopher, I always go first. I always go first. Let me go first in exposing my heart to you. Right? That's the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. And we're invited into such intimacy it's called adoration. Do you know what the word "adoration means? It, it ad aura. It means "at the mouth. It means mouth to mouth. It means the most intimate kiss that we exchange with the Lord. He goes first. He exposes his heart to us. and when we see His heart exposed, what we see is the flowing of such glorious, pure love. And it is that love that casts out our fear and allows us to get naked. And I'm not saying about taking off your clothes. That's an image. I'm saying exposing your heart. Right? Let the Lord expose his heart to you first. He goes first. And his love that you will experience as he exposes his heart to you will cast out your fear. And your masks will fall. Your fig leaves will fall. Your heart will expose itself to that love. And you will enter into sweetest adoration, mouth to mouth with the Lord. Him breathing His life into you. And you receiving that life. And you breathing back into Him. And Him receiving uh, what you have to offer Him. That's the kind of intimacy we are invited to. Saint after saint after saint speaks of it. Uh, this is the whole biblical image of spousal union with the Lord. right? The The way that you can get to a place of learning to love another person is by first getting to a place of allowing Jesus to love you in those really, really scary places. It's from that place of the certainty of the bridegroom's love for you, that you will be able to discern your vocation. And you won't be motivated by fear, you'll be motivated by a peace and a calling from the Lord.
1: I love so much everything you just said, Christopher. I I know it's wisdom from life experience, your own life, your experience talking with students, with friends uh, who've all been on this journey. Um, So, I think it's really good for all of our listeners to hear that. It's applicable to all of us when we are encountering these, like, blocks in our relating and we start to see a pattern, like, okay, really, can I take time to open that up to the Lord and not just try to work it out in my brain, Mm. uh, but really open my spirit to the Holy Spirit Um. it's scary stuff it is
0: be not afraid
1: so i i just i think it's a wonderful gift that you've shared with all of our listeners and i want to take it up myself just look at ways that i've tried to dismiss things i i noticed that um eleanor said i tell myself he he never was really interested so there's like a an avoiding of the yeah. deeper issue, and we we have things like that in our minds. Um, and the Lord loves us, knows us, gets us. Um, but if if something today is coming up for any of our listeners, that to be willing to take more time in prayer, maybe with a journal, maybe with a spiritual director, to let the Lord show us our hearts in. A safe space where his love can really overwhelm us and shed light in our darkness. Um, Those times can be so fruitful. And uh, I'm grateful for times that they've occurred in my life and want to be open to more.
0: Amen. Thank you, Eleanor, for sharing your heart. And thank you to everyone who sends us questions. We're sorry we can't get to all of them. We get to as many as we're able. Keep them coming. And please share this episode with others who need to hear what you've heard today. So grateful to you all. Until next time, know it deep in your heart. You are an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift of life and love. Become what
1: you are. Woo!
0: Ask Christopher West is brought to you by The Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they're not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.